Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that you have provided for us, Lord, in the, in the middle of this transition and construction, a room that's viable for worship, Father. Thank you you've given us this place, Lord. We, we just have this incredible location, these incredible facilities that allows us, Father, to worship a, a large group. I just praise your name for that right now, Father. Praise your name for what you've given us. I praise your name for what you're doing right now in our, in our sanctuary, with our new children's building, all that you're doing, Father. Or just help us to, to, to sense your presence and power right now working in our church and in our lives. Speak to us directly right now from your word, Lord. Uh, we want to hear from you. We want to know you. We want to be challenged by you. And we will give you the praise and honor and glory for everything that you do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Before I begin, I want to invite Wes and Laurie Wilcox up, if they would. Um, you guys know Wes and Laurie from... Zambia, Africa. There are missionaries that have been there now for a number of years. And which mic can I use, guys? Can I use this one? Number one. Come on up, y'all. Come on up. They are they are on furlough um, for about another month here in the states, and then we'll go back. And I've asked them. They did a, a reunion a couple of nights ago. I've asked them just to come up and first of all let you see them. They're going to be here after the service. You're welcome to come talk to them. But just to welcome them and let them know that we love them and support them. And I, just tell us if you would. I know you guys are on furlough now, but how are things going at the orphanage? Kind of what's the latest? Kind of fill us in for those that hadn't heard in a while. Well, there's a new chapter starting. The Tidwells are coming home. God's called them back and um, just some new things. And, you know, the chapter, we don't know what that chapter is going to end up looking like. But we know that God's in control and we trust him to take care of what he started. And we have 38 children now, and we uh, have 15 that are five and under. So God has, in the last year, God has um, sent us babies, which was something we hadn't planned on before. So God is raising up another generation of children for us to take care of. So we're excited about that. Yeah, very exciting. Many of us have gone, and some are praying about going. So tell us specifically how we can pray for you guys. What, what, What sorts of things should we be praying for for New Day right now? Well, wisdom mostly and direction and that, uh, you know, we're not, we're waiting on God. He's telling us to wait and uh, just to make sure that we're following him one day at a time in obedience. And so direction as well that we hear from him because we know that uh, without his direction, we're not going to succeed. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, there's an opportunity. Many of you have been to Zambia. There's an opportunity. We took a team already this year. Next, end of May, we think, 1st of June. Um, we'll be taking another trip, 2019. So if you're considering, thinking, have any interest, they'll be here uh, after the service. Please come down and, and uh, get to know them. Ask them any questions you want or ask Randy or myself uh, or others that have been. We, we'd love for you guys to go with us next summer, be in prayer for them and all that the Lord's doing. But growth, God is sending them new children, uh, just exciting things happening over there. We'd love for you to be a part of that ministry. Let's let them know how much we love them and support their ministry in you day. Thank you guys so much. I'll come down at the end of the service to speak to people, okay? Thank you, guys. Again, they'll be down at the end of the service uh, to to meet and greet and answer any questions you may have. All right, so let's take our Bibles this morning, open to Acts chapter 22. I I, I just wanted to say to you guys as you're getting your Bibles out, uh, a lot of change, a lot of things are are taking place different. We're in a different room. It feels different. You parked in a different place. You walked a different direction. 
<laughs> Everything's different. You'll get used to it in a few months. But I, I want to just make sure we're clear, I'm clear, you're clear. We're still building our foundation on the Word of God. I promise you I'm not changing that. We may be in a different room, have different lights, different parking, but we're still going to open God's Word. I'm going to walk through it verse by verse. We're going to trust God to do great things in our midst. And so we're continuing our study this morning in the book of Acts, a series we've entitled From Ordinary to Extraordinary. It's a picture of God doing incredible things in the lives of the early century church. God took a group of people that were scared to death, that were just frightened and hiding in an upper room, didn't quite know what to do next, weren't sure of direction. God took them and through the power of the Spirit early in the book of Acts, really did extraordinary things through their lives. And so we've studied that. We followed the church. We followed Peter. The last several weeks we've been following Paul and his missionary journeys and how the Lord has used him. And you may remember from a couple of weeks ago, Paul has been in Ephesus. He spent about three years there teaching, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, leading these people, forming churches, growing the church. But the time has come now for Paul to leave. So last week we studied and we looked at Paul's kind of farewell address to the leaders at the church at Ephesus, how he encouraged them to be faithful. He encouraged them to be on guard against attack. He encouraged them to, to follow and maintain the truth of God's word and the apostles' teaching. And so Paul now leaves Ephesus. I'm going to summarize 21 very quickly because I want to jump right into 22. He basically travels back to Jerusalem, meets with some of the leaders, and is, as is usually the case with Paul, he goes to the synagogue, goes to the temple, and he begins to preach. Now, those of you that have, that have been with us through this study probably know and remember and understand that it seems like every time the Lord does something pretty incredible and the gospel is spread and neat things happen, it's almost like the next verse or the next chapter the enemy attacks. So Paul has gone to the temple, as he usually does. He's preaching, he's sharing, and as we've seen countless other times in his ministry and the ministry of others, Paul's going to be arrested. So as Paul is arrested being carted off to jail, he says, listen, listen, can I have a moment to share my testimony or to share my faith with people that are around? So let's pick up in Acts chapter 22, beginning of verse 1. We have it on the screen as well. You can follow along in the Bible, Acts 22, beginning in verse 1. Remember, Paul has been arrested. He's in custody. He's standing in front of the people. He wants to share with them. Here's what he says. Brothers and fathers, Hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet, and he said, I'm a Jew, born in Tarsus in Sicilia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are to this day. Now verse 4 is important because it clues us into who he used to be. I persecuted this way, and remember this way is referring to believers. I persecuted Christians to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. Let's stop there just for a second, and I want you to understand something about what Paul's doing here. Right, Paul has this opportunity in several different places to share his testimony, to share his faith, to tell his story. And one of the neat things he does, and as we walk through this, I want you to kind of think about your testimony. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that as we go. But one of the things that Paul does is he kind of clues us in on who he used to be. 
He tells us who he used to be, how he used to live, and how he used to persecute and hate and try to kill and imprison as many Christians as he could. And so what a lot of people do when they're thinking about their testimony is they get caught up in who they used to be. They get worried about what used to happen and how they used to live. And here's the first truth I want you to get from Paul's message and in other parts of the scripture that you ought to apply to your life and to your testimony and how you live. Truth number one, our past does not affect how Christ can use us. Some of y'all need to hear that. (laughs) Because it's very easy. It is very easy to allow the enemy to remind us of our past. You ever done that? You feel like the Lord's doing something or calling you or maybe you're in a time of prayer and you're earnestly seeking and you want to hear and you want to know and all of a sudden the enemy reminds you of who you used to be. I read a guy one time, I love this, and you've probably heard it, but I think it's, it's, it's helpful in our process of prayer and kind of defeating the enemy. He said something like this, the next time the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Because ultimately he'll be destroyed. And what Paul shows us here is, listen, listen, I'm a good guy. Paul gives his testimony three different times in the book of Acts. Nine, chapter nine, 22, and then again in 26. And every time he does it, he starts with, this is who I used to be. Now, we remember Paul as being this incredible leader. He wrote a large portion of the New Testament. He preached all over Asia, well-known, well-respected. Other than Christ, probably the most well-known figure in Scripture, that's who we know Paul as. But you know if you've studied and you've been around long enough, it didn't start that way. In fact, Paul's goal early in his life was to persecute believers. Pull pull verse 4 up again for me. I want you to look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. Paul speaking to these people, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women. Paul says, listen, this this is who I used to be. I used to hate Christians. I used to imprison Christians. I used to, you fill in the blank. Now, we've all got a story. We've all got a past. And sometimes if we're not careful, the enemy brings those things up to us and reminds us, well, you know, you can't really share your faith because you did this. You remember when you did this? And he does that to me. Like, Adam, you remember when you said this or acted this way or years ago when you did this or maybe last week when you did this? You can't follow the Lord because look at who you used to be. We, we, we need to be reminded from the teaching of Paul in so many different other places. It's not who we were. It's who we can become in Christ. You understand that? Don't get bogged down in the past. Look ahead instead to the future because the Bible is littered with people that started out pretty slow and God did great things through their ministry. Moses, remember the story of Moses? We think of Moses, we think of Ten Commandments, parting the sea, all that is true, all that's right. But if you don't know this about Moses, prior to him leading the people out of captivity, he killed a man and then hid in the desert for 40 years. Did you know that about Moses? That's who Moses was. David, right? We think of King David and how the Lord used him, and then God said, he's a man after my own heart. If you go back and study when they called David, everybody else thought he was too small, too young, just a younger brother. David, even after he became king, committed adultery and eventually murdered a man, and God said, he's a man after my own heart. Right? Peter, a fisherman, clumsy, loud, stuck his, stuck his foot in his mouth way too often, said things he probably shouldn't have said. If you, if you remember one of the accounts when Jesus is kind of telling the disciples what's going to happen, Peter stands up and literally rebukes Christ. Peter didn't have a great start, but because of the power of the Spirit working through him, he accomplished great things for the sake of the kingdom. 
Now, here's what a lot of people do. We think about sharing our testimony, right? Paul is sharing his testimony here. And, and we're, we're called, by the way, I just want to kind of slide this in. We're all called to share our testimony, to be a witness. Like, you don't have to be an evangelist to share your faith. Did you know that? And so how that looks for you and, and the world you're in and work, and that's between you and the Lord, how it actually fleshes out. But on some level, you should be sharing your faith. But here's what a lot of people do. They look at Paul's story and they think, man, if I had that testimony, if I had that kind of a story, I could share my faith so easily because God did incredible things through Paul. If I had that kind of a story. But a lot of people say something like this. I've just got this boring uh, old testimony that doesn't really mean anything. It's, nobody wants to hear it. It's not really going to affect anybody's life. That's what we think. Like I used to think that because I was a kid that grew up in the church. Like from, from really birth, I've been in church. Like there's never been a moment in my life I haven't been in church. And I credit my parents for the vast majority of that. And then kind of the faith became my own in my 20s. And here I am now. But I can remember as a kid thinking, I don't have any good testimony because I grew up in church. What's exciting about that? Right, hey, everybody, I've been in church since I was a kid, and I got saved, and you know, radical things have happened. I told, this is always who I've been, until the Lord reminded me, and I think this is really important. The Lord reminded me that when he saved me, he not only saved me for eternity, he saved me from all the junk that everybody else went through. I didn't have to go through it. That's a big deal. Like, I, I look back on my life, for the most part, God guided me and directed me, and sometimes we think, you know, there's nothing fancy about my testimony. The fact that Christ saved you is fancy enough. We ought to be sharing it. We ought to remember, listen, the Lord can use me regardless of where I've been, regardless of my past. It's not who we were. It's who we can become through Christ. Now look at verse 6. Let's continue. Paul telling his story of salvation. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, right? This is the Damascus Road experience that we've heard about. About noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, this is important, we'll come back to it, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what light, excuse me, and I said, what shall I do? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me. And standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight and saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now why do you wait? Rise, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on his name. Here's the second truth I want you to get, and I want to walk back through it together. Number two, Paul understands this in this moment clearly. Number two, all things pale in comparison to the glory of God. All things pale in comparison to the glory of God. Here's what far too many people do in their lives. They allow the glory of the world to outshine the glory of the Lord. It's an ongoing, regular problem in our society. And if you think you haven't fallen into it, I'm speaking as one among you. If, if you don't think we've fallen into it, you've missed the truth because we've all fallen into it on some level or another. Very easy for us to see the glitz and the glitter and the excitement of the world and to miss the beauty of Christ in our lives. 
Very easy for us to follow the path of what we think is excitement and fame and wealth and riches and popularity and whatever it is you're seeking in the world and to miss the truth of the teaching of the Word of God. What we need to understand is when we're actually aware of what's happening, aware of the Lord in our lives and aware of His glory, all things pale in comparison to Him. Now, Paul's given kind of this testimony, right? He's given the testimony of, of before Christ, and there's a, there's a real simple model here, right? If you're giving your testimony, kind of life before Christ, there's the salvation experience, which is what he's given here, and then there's the life after Christ. But as Paul gives this kind of salvation experience, this kind of middle portion, there's kind of two main areas he talks about. There's kind of this inner voice and inner understanding, and then there's this outside stuff. And I want you to see it. Look at verse 7 again. Pull that up for me on the screen if you would. He said, I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, right? So here's a voice. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth whom you are persecuting. Now verse 9. Now those who are with me, this is important, saw the light but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. Right? I, I, I want to see that again. Look, now those who were with me saw the light but did not, what's the word? understand the voice. You know, sometimes when the Lord speaks to you, other people don't understand it. Did you know that? Let me say that again. Sometimes when the Lord speaks to you, other people don't understand it. Right? They saw the light. They, they could see the light. That's clear, right? There's something going on here. But they don't know what the voice means. Why? Because he was speaking to Paul. Sometimes when we're trusting the Lord and we're trying to seek Him and we're trying to follow Him, sometimes the Lord speaks to us and other people just may not get it. I'll never forget when I was in high school, and I've told you stories about football and the fun stuff me and my dad used to do. Dad was a sports editor, and some of y'all know that, and was the editor here in LaGrange for a number of years. And so Friday, Saturday nights, we were at football games. And I went with him every time, home or away. I was at a troop game, a LaGrange game. This was before Callaway, so this is I'm dating myself here. Troop, LaGrange. Georgia football, whatever. And there happened to be this one night in particular where uh, either Troop or LaGrange, I don't know which, was playing on a Saturday night at Callaway Stadium. And Georgia was playing Vanderbilt on a Saturday night in Athens. Well, we wanted to hear both games. And now, now uh, kids under the age of about 25, just hold on to your seats. This was before cell phones. I know some of y'all don't even know there was a world that existed before cell phones, but there was. And so I didn't have a smartphone. You're like, why didn't you just check the score on your app? I didn't have an app. Because I didn't have a phone, right? I did have, I'm going to date myself, adults, a transistor radio, right? A Walkman. The old school Walkman, right? The old school, you clip it to your belt. You've got the one, no stereo, by the way. There's one little white cord coming up through my shirt and plugs into my ear. And I'm sitting in the top stands listening to the Georgia game. Dad's on the field. And so we worked out this system of communication. Now, I'm going I'm I'm to let you in on my coolness factor here just for a second, right? I'm probably a junior or senior in high school, and because we're so far away, and I'm way up at the top of the stadium, he's down there on the field. It couldn't just be like, you know, 7 to, you know, whatever, 14 to 7. It couldn't be that. It had to be like large hand motions. So he could see me all the way from the field up to the top of the stadium. And so that particular night, and I, I should have gone back and looked at the exact score, but it was a high-scoring game. It was like 52 to 48, Georgia. Okay, and so I'm giving, you know, Georgia's got nine touchdowns in a row, and I'm doing all this, and Vanderbilt, and I'm sure, I mean, I wasn't very cool anyway, but my coolness factor at that moment just probably deflated a good bit, because people around me thought, what is this idiot doing? Because <laughs> I didn't explain what I'm doing, I just look up and I see Dad, and I give him the, I give him the five Georgia touchdowns and the six Vanderbilt touchdowns, and 
It made, it made no sense to anybody around, but he and I got it. We got, he understood me clearly. He knew exactly the score, exactly when it happened, right? We had this kind of language that we were speaking. Nobody else got it. It wasn't for anybody else. It didn't matter. Like when God speaks to us, sometimes he's just speaking to us. And we got to trust him enough sometimes to allow, pull the second point back up. We got to trust him enough sometimes to allow his glory to outshine the glory of the world because other people won't understand that. You get it? I mean, he'll, he'll speak to us and call us and help us to recognize his glory. Other people won't see that, and we just got to move on and say, you know what, I don't think other people see it, but I'm going to trust you enough, Lord. Your glory in my life is going to outshine the glory of the Lord. Because what happens with Paul, right, he sees this glory. It's so clear and it's so bright that he's blinded by it, physically blinded by it. Now pick up in verse 17. Let's continue. When I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance. And I saw him, this is Jesus, Paul seeing Jesus, saying to me, make haste, get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another I imprisoned and beat those who believed. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself, the words of Paul, was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Here's truth number three. God has extraordinary plans for those that follow him. God has extraordinary plans for those that follow him. If we'll trust the Lord enough, if we'll listen if we'll seek him, if we'll set aside the glory of the world in favor of the glory of the Lord, God will do extraordinary things through us. Now, I want you to notice this wasn't just some accident here. Okay, This wasn't just some random set of events. God had a very specific plan for Paul. I want you to see. Look at verse 14 again. Pull that up. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. It wasn't random. It wasn't accidental. The God of our fathers appointed you to do this. God says, Paul, I've got a very specific plan for you. Now, verse 17. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, right? There's God's plan again. Not an accident, not random. God says, listen, I've got a plan for you. I'm going to say this to you. Then verse 21, and he said to me, go, for I will send you far away from the Gentiles. Right? From day one, from the beginning, the Lord has said to Paul, listen, I've got a plan for you to do something extraordinary for the sake of the kingdom. Far too many of us don't believe God's got a plan for our life. Did you know that? I've had people say to me, in the midst of this series, I've had people say to me, listen, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm just not yet convinced God has a plan for my life. I've heard people say that to me. That's not true. God wants to do things through you. And so we, we've got kind of scripturally, we, we've got this general calling that God calls all of us to do and to be and to go. And like you, you, don't have, you don't kind of have the biblical right to say you don't really want to share your faith or share your testimony because we're all called to do that on some level. There's just a general calling in Scripture to be Christ-like, to love others in the name of Jesus, to share our faith, to be a witness. There's kind of a general calling. But then there's a specific calling as well that we see with Paul. There's a specific calling where the Lord says, Listen, Paul, I've got this real clear, specific job I want you to accomplish. For Paul, it was one thing. For you, it's something else. 
For example, God's called me at this very moment to be pastor of Rosemont Baptist Church. He ain't called anybody else to do that. He's called you to be whatever you are, to work in your place of business. That's your calling. To be a teacher, to be a student, to go on a short-term mission trip. He's called Wes and Laura to be missionaries full-time in Africa. Right? He's given, given all of us a general calling to go and do and to speak and to love in the name of Christ. We all need to be doing that. But within that context, God says, listen, I've got a very specific plan for you individually. I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you to certain places and to do certain things. Now, here's what some people do. They say, I get that. I hear it. There's a general calling. Yes. Uh, Some would even say, listen, I know there's probably a specific calling for my life. I'm just not sure what it is. Like I had a conversation this week with a young man trying to figure out God's will for his life. It's a great question to ask. It's a great conversation to have. Like how do I know what God's calling me to do? How do I know God's plan for my life? So I'm going to give you, as I finish up this morning, we're, we're running low, Three things biblically you ought to be doing. Like if you want to think about God's will, his specific calling for your life, what are things you ought to be doing? I'm going to give you three very quickly, very simple things you ought to be doing to hear from the Lord, to know his call, to sense his presence in your life. The first one, we have it on the screen, you should be renewing your mind. Scripture, let let me read for you Romans 12, 1 and 2. I want you to listen to the words here. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Right, so we should be giving of ourselves to the Lord. Holy and acceptable to God. Which is your spiritual worship? Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Right, there's a whole sermon in that, by the way. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's the word I used just a minute ago, right? Renewing our mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That by testing you may t- discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. So if we back that up a little bit in reverse, if we want to know the will of God, we need to renew our mind by being transformed into the things of Christ. That's who we ought to be. So you renew your mind. You take out the bad, all the bad junk you're putting in, and you only know that. I don't know what that is. That's between you and the Lord. But if you're filling your mind with junk, you need to get rid of that and fill it with good. Renew your mind. Focus on his word, study his word, pray through his word, ask him to guide you, direct you. We ought to be renewing our mind. Second thing we ought to be doing, walk with God and obey his commands. Right, Micah 6, 8, he has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. Right, if you want to know the will of God, the first thing you ought to do is figure out how to live a holy life pleasing to him. Begin to trust him. Begin to obey him. Begin to study his word. Begin to let those things just kind of resonate in your heart and your mind as you renew your mind, as you walk through his commands, as you obey him and walk with God. God's going to direct you and lead you and give you a vision for what his will is for your life. And the third thing we ought to be doing is praying. James says, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. It will be given to him. There's this simple path. God says, listen, I've I've got a plan for you. I had a plan for Paul. I've got a plan for you. I want to do extraordinary things for the sake of the kingdom. I want to use you, and I'm talking to you, (laughs) to do things for the Lord. The question we ought to be asking ourselves is, listen, what's the specific call God has placed on my life? What does he want me to do? What does he want me to accomplish? How can I now live my life for his honor, for his glory, managing and leveraging my life for the sake of the kingdom of Christ? That's who we ought to be. Because we've seen it time and time and time again. When when Christ calls us, when we're obedient, when we trust him, he he takes ordinary people. 
that the power of the Spirit does extraordinary things in our lives. That's who I want you to be this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the calling you placed on Paul's life, Lord. We thank you for his faithfulness. We, we thank you for what we can learn through our understanding of Paul. Father, I pray we'd be willing to share our testimony, share the, the goodness of Christ in our lives. Lord, I pray we would be just um, able and willing to live our lives in a way that's honoring to you. And I pray, Father, you'd use us. I pray you'd use us for the sake of your kingdom, to reach people, to share our testimony, Lord. And we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory for everything that you do. We love you and we serve you in all things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.